clubhouse. That was awkward. But uh, I do feel like it was the right call. Why are you so stubborn? Excuse me? You loved them. Jonah was an idol of yours. Who cares if they want to publish under a pen name? My God. It's got to be your terms or it just doesn't work. That is not true. Are you kidding me? We're not together because all of a sudden you needed to be married. We never even talked about marriage. It wasn't all of a sudden. All of a sudden you asked me and all of a sudden we're over. I wanted to know that you really loved me. I wanted to have all of you. You did have all of me. Oh my God, you don't believe me. Can you blame me? I wish I didn't love you. Welcome to Hell or Good, the younger podcast. I'm Sheila McGann. And I'm Emma Good. Tonight we're discussing Season 7, Episode 9 of Younger. This episode is called The Fallout. Nine? Really? Already? I know. It's, <laughs> it's going too fast. There's it is. Like only three more episodes after this. And can I just say, as a Team Josh fan, very disappointed so far. It's going to take like a Hail Mary at this point. He's such an afterthought. Yes, he is so much an afterthought in this whole season. Uh, the only little bit of a storyline he got was KT, which lasted, what, two episodes? And that is it. That's been him for the whole season. Otherwise, he's just sort of there as filler in the background. Like eye candy. I don't know. I'm still reeling from the letter that she wrote him the end of episode, uh, season six, rather, you know. Yeah, I'm with you. Team Josh is not looking so good. Actually, Team Nobody is looking really good right now. So I don't know. This is this is very. I don't know. There's there's three episodes left, and there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of ground I feel that needs to be covered. Maybe they didn't feel the same way that we do. But anyway, here I am. But before we get too deep into this episode, because we're already we're already spiraling, and it's you know a minute in. Uh, before we get too far into it, you should definitely check out that Spotify playlist that we've created. It's called Hell or Good, the Younger Playlist by Pod Clubhouse, similar to the title of this podcast. It's just some mood music to help you as you wait the days in between the episodes, and it's fun. I curate it every week, just about. I add songs from the new episode, and I go back and I add a few from the prior season. So it's it's something to keep me occupied as I should probably be doing other things, but however, it's there for your entertainment. All right. Well, as we said, let's dive in. Um, but just a reminder, we expect that you've seen the episode. We talked about the characters, what has happened. So there are spoilers ahead. It's less no, really? Yeah. <laughs> let's recap more about how we maybe felt about the episode. And I would say the season so far at the moment, but I mean, the highlight for me this episode was definitely Kelsey and Rob. I just think I really like them as a couple. I think they're really cute together. They are really cute together. So I I do like them as a couple. Um, I have some 
thoughts about Rob. I guess we can talk about it later when we talk about Kelsey. But my highlight was definitely Lauren's reaction to Kelsey dating Rob. Between her sitting in the in the living room, stalking Kelsey after being left in the dark, literally, about Rob, and also being left in the dark when Kelsey turns the lights off. And also likening her dating Rob to the Chernobyl disaster. That- yeah, I just like that as well. <laughs> I just, I like the, dr- the drama, how dramatic that she was with both of those. So I just liked it. I also liked how she was like, you've made out. And Kelsey's like, stop smelling me. Yeah, she goes, don't sniff me. Oh my God. Well, I think she was sniffing for other things, but however. But I thought that was a really just a very funny, lighthearted moment. Because the last couple of episodes have been kind of heavy. Where, you know, everything with Maggie was getting really dark. And things with... Liza and Charles and Charles and Quinn and Quinn and Liza everyone like all of that that triangle was just getting darker and like they felt like the wagons were circling so I, I like that this episode had a lot of levity to it so this this is like the younger of days of yore that I was just like yes this is what I needed it was just a light frivolous episode but a lot did happen though when I was doing, yeah. when I was doing the outline for this I was like god not a lot happened and then I was like typing the questions I was like oh wait a lot did happen it's just like the nuance of it so yeah, exactly. So I think you got a little bit of feedback during the week about some of our previous episodes. Did you? Yes, you yes. So we were talking about, about that? that. Yeah, so we were talking about that. So um, some fan comments came our way. So there's a correction. So a lady named Nicolette on Twitter called me out. I made a goof. I said Providence instead of Provincetown when I was talking about where Cass and Camilla had their vacation home. I knew it was Provincetown, but in the excitement of talking, it was where my brain was moving faster than my mouth. And they just didn't catch up. So I misspoke there. So thank you, Nicolette, for that correction. I didn't know where either, sorry, I didn't know where either place was. So, I mean, you did better than me. <laughs> Providence would not be as far from here as Provincetown is. So Provincetown is a further drive. Rhode Island is not quite as far. But Provincetown has a very large gay community, so that would make sense. So again, thank you. My brain moved faster than my mouth. My mouth was not connected, and um, <laughs> which happens a lot. So I just beg your forgiveness. It's never intentional because I've only seen the episodes like five or six times <laughs> by the time that we <laughs> record it. So I definitely know the ins and outs of the episode. And also my friend Kristen Smith, who we talked about previously on this podcast, she gives me a ton of like little Easter eggs. So she said she was watching the episode last week and she snorted laughing because Lauren Benanti talking about herself as the Baroness. She played the Baroness in the NBC live production a few years ago of The Sound of Music. Ah, that's quite cool. I do like how they put those little Easter egg type things into the show. There's so many that it's hard to keep track of them all. So I, I need this feedback. We need this feedback. Yeah. So I was talking to Kristen about it and she was like, uh, it was her birthday just today. So happy birthday, Kristen. Um, mm-hmm. And we were talking about it and she's like, she was just laughing at that. So it's like, oh yeah. my God. It's like, I I saw it and it didn't register. So see, those sort of things don't make it to Australia. So we don't even pick that sort of stuff up. At all. Oh, okay. Well, so we can blame you for, for not knowing it there. <laughs> definitely played me. <laughs> so there are two guest stars tonight. I don't know if they looked familiar to you, but I was watching it and we watched this before the episode comes out. So we don't have the luxury of credits. So I have to like figure out who these people are. So I found an app. It will like allow you to upload this picture and it will do its best to try to identify this famous person. So 
One was Bruce Altman. He's been in like a thousand things. It's just, he plays Jonah Rothschild. Yes, I recognized him from, I think it was 50 Great Shades of Grey. Yes, yes, he's, he's in that. He's in two of the movies. And the other, the actress who plays his wife, Susan Abbott, is Jessica Hecht. And she was, I'm looking at her, I'm like, I know your face, lady. I know your face. And where do I know your face from? She's Susan Bunch from Friends back in the day. Oh, really? Yes. It was bothering me, Emma. I had to like, I had to go find, I had to download an app. Remember, Susan had really curly big hair because it was 1994, yeah. but it's her. And she's been in a thousand things too, but I'm like, that's where I knew her from. So They looked familiar, but I would never have guessed her as from Friends. Like, I mean, I still watch the repeats as well, but I totally didn't pick that one up. But I mean, it's also like 25 years. Her hair is really different, you know, so. But I, I thought it was just a great use of characters and, and just to have these two who've been on TV for so long. I just want to ask you, have you ever heard about mayonnaise on grilled cheese before? Is this a thing? I know it's not an Australian thing. To be honest, I'm not a mayonnaise fan at all. I absolutely hate mayonnaise. That's why I hate getting pre-made sandwiches because they generally come with mayonnaise. I always have to make my own or go to a place that will make them without the mayonnaise. So yeah, not a thing that I would ever even consider trying to be honest. So when I was hearing them talk about it, I was like, I like the idea of like the cheese melted on the outside, but not the mayonnaise. I never heard of it. I love mayonnaise. I'm I'm a fan. I will not quite eat it from the jar, but I will slather it on like a sandwich. Sorry, I'm grossing you out right now. But I was intrigued by this because I'm like, okay, because like I've made salmon before where you can put like mayonnaise on the top and, and you kind of you know, put the tinfoil on it and you bake it and it just creates this really nice crust. So I was like intrigued. So I actually did some deep Googling. That's from a couple episodes back. And I found actually a March 2015 issue of Bon Appetit magazine, which is a frou-frou gourmet magazine. And it has a recipe for grilled cheese with mayonnaise to make a quote-unquote delectable crust. So that will be probably on the menu tomorrow morning. So I might let you know in the show notes when this episode comes out how it came out. If it's good, I'll send you the recipe, guys. Well, I'll leave that one for you to experiment. <laughs> I don't have a ton of culinary experience. I I, I make do, but I'll, I'll try this out. Grilled cheese. I can do a good grilled cheese. Yeah. I mean, I feel like most people can at a minimum do a grilled cheese. Um, are you familiar with the Broadway show Rent at all? I have heard of the show. I feel like I've seen like a television version of it. Is that like there was the a television. And like, it's all the AIDS epidemic and stuff. Yes. That's the show. So it came out in the 90s. So Lauren actually sings, like, that's the song that she's singing. You know, how do you measure a year, uh, measure a life? Um, so it's actually, she's, she's singing Seasons of Love there. So anytime we can get a little, anybody singing in the show, I'm like, yay! A little shout out to Broadway. Can I just say, I, I know we're running long on tangents here and we're trying to like, get to the episode, but it, this being May and things are starting to open up here in New York. I actually just saw a show from Australia that happened on Sunday, Pub Choir. Do you know that about them? Oh, I think I've seen you post about them before. That I'm obsessed with them. I saw them here. I was actually supposed to see them March of last year, and um, we'll see them. Like, it's participate with them. But I'm jealous that Australians are, are in a live venue, 3,000 people singing with their sound holes. So with things opening up here, I, I told my credit card, I, I had a conversation with it. I was like, let's get ready because things are starting to open back up. So I bought tickets to a Broadway show because my son, the last thing we did before COVID came last year was we took him to his first Broadway show. We took him to see Aladdin. So we're going to take him to see Little Shop of Horrors. 
someone that we interviewed for another podcast, Prodigal Son, Christian Borrell, he's in that show. So we're definitely trying to support as much of the arts as they come back because um, this show has done a really good job in supporting Broadway stars as they've been recovering from the pandemic and giving them work when their medium has been shut down. So it's just a really long way to say that, you know, it's just important to support the arts as they come back because, you know, this show has tried to, to do its part in helping Broadway stars by giving them as many parts as they can. So as things start opening up, just go out there and support your arts. Yeah, I think that's good. I know here we had Hamilton open up recently and I think they actually opened up on time as planned because during the pandemic they did all the um, auditioning on Zoom and things like that. Oh my um, gosh. And it actually broke box office records when the tickets went on sale probably because everyone was desperate to get out and see things. But also it's Hamilton and there's been a lot of buzz for the last few years about this show. So it has finally made it to Australia. I participate when Hamilton is a live show here in the Daily Hamilton Lottery. So you should download the app and get it on the lottery because you can get $10 tickets. Well, it's in Sydney, so it's a bit hard for me to get to because I'm in Melbourne. But um, I did watch the live version that they screened on Disney Plus, and I must say it looked amazing. I'm obsessed with King George. (laughs) (laughs) You will be back. I missed it when it was in London. Um, It was there while I was still um, living there, but I didn't get a chance to see it while I lived there. But it's also a mortgage payment. Okay, anyway. (laughs) We're here to talk about younger. We're talking about Hamilton. All right, well, we probably should move on. So um, once again, this episode seemed to be revolving around Queen, Liza and Charles. I am so sick of this love triangle. Not only is there nothing there in this season for Team Josh, but I'm, I hate Quinn. I think Charles is ridiculous for being with her. And I just am hating the whole direction of this love triangle. What's yeah. your thought? Sorry, I'm being a bit harsh. <laughs> no, no, well, you know, you're not wrong. What started out earlier in the season as more like an equal triangle, like, you know, all three sides being equal, I definitely feel it's becoming, what is it obtuse? Is it obtuse? Is that the, where the triangle just becomes elongated, right? So Liza's at one end of the point and then like Quinn and Charles are at the other ends together, yeah. closer together. That's kind of like where I see this going. And she's just getting further and further apart. Even though there's been connections between Quinn and Liza, which we can talk about. But even like last episode with the Baroness conversation, I felt that Quinn was opening up and she opened up about being married before. And I just feel that Quinn's just doing what Quinn does, setting her up somehow. Yeah. But you see, in this episode, I feel like it kind of... Because you know I said I wasn't 100% sure if he was talking about being married before in this episode definitely seemed like she hasn't been married before right but she talked about this guy harry i know it was very confusing because i initially got the impression that maybe she'd been married and then when i watched it a couple of times like she doesn't actually say she was married but maybe she was just in a committed relationship and then this episode she's like it really feels like she's never been married so i was a bit confused by that earlier conversation still and then, you know, this episode, she's like opening up to Queen over donuts. And can I say, I was disappointed for Liza. There was no sprinkled donuts because they're my favorite too. I mean, what 40-year-old woman doesn't want sprinkles on her donuts? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's my my son's, my seven-year-old son's weakness is sprinkled donuts. Yeah, it's definitely I can get him too. to do anything um, for a frosted sprinkled donut. 
<laughs> but I'm, I just feel like Queen opening up to Liza again. Again, I'm just like, is this really genuine? Like, she goes from threatening to Liza to then asking Liza about red flags for Charles. And why isn't Liza's job to help her with her relationship with her ex boyfriend? Like, this just all seems so completely inappropriate. And the fact that Liza actually gives her answers as well, I'm just a bit like, what are you doing? Are you actually wanting Charles to be with her? <laughs> yeah, like they were heartfelt, truthful answers, you know? So when they were in that donut shop anyway, I was definitely feeling that she was being too honest. Yeah. yeah. And like asking her about the gift with the watch and stuff, like it just, I don't know. I just can't understand the Queen character at all. It just feels so back and forwards. Like I just don't get a good read on her because she seems one thing one way, one thing another. And this time at least, they were alone together and she did seem to be acting nice towards Liza without an audience. And I think that's one of the first times where, well, maybe when they had the Baroness conversation as well, that happened a bit as well, but it was still in a public place and people they knew around. But this time it really was just them together and no one else they knew nearby. And Queen actually did seem to be friendly towards Liza for the first time in a private conversation. But she was also wanting something from Liza. Yeah, well, that's what I was just going to say is that I, I have a feeling like this is Quinn in freakout mode because Lawrence accidentally has now spilled the beans to Quinn about the failed proposal between Charles and Liza. And I'm hoping that... Charles would have told her about this, but I'm assuming that he's going to be in a ton of trouble in some sort of roundabout way, that that never came up. Like, that is a conversation that needs to happen in a relationship. Especially, like, if you just came out of that relationship and now you're in the relationship with this person. I think Quinn is in freakout mode. I think she's being super nice to Liza. I think she's opening up additionally to Liza because she needs to keep this enemy closer. So once again, I just feel she's been very contradictory in this episode. She says to Liza, I don't want to be getting married. It involves prenups and legal contracts, and I don't want that in the bedroom. That's for business only. Uh, and fair enough, she's a billionaire. I mean, if you're a billionaire and getting married, I'd be wanting a prenup as well. Then she's going to Charles at the end of the episode. I would have said yes to you. You know, saying she knows about the proposal, saying if he'd asked her, she would have said yes. So it's like, once again, she's one moment saying, I don't want to get married. I don't want to get the tax returns out and the prenups and all that sort of stuff. But then she's saying to Charles what he wants to hear because she knows that, you know, marriage is important to him because Liza's told her that. And so she's saying to Charles what he wants to hear. And he looked pleased with that, to which to me I was like, you barely know this woman. She's like already screwed you over once before and almost ruined your company. I still don't understand why you're having anything to do with her. Yeah, I mean, he's got this grin on his face after she says that. Like, I'm like, you stupid man. You are just falling into her trap and you're just, it's like Little Shop of Horrors. It's like Feed Me Seymour. He's going to fall into the Venus fly trap. See, it's all circular. It all has a place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But- I'm just like, there's only three more episodes to go. I feel like by the end, it can't be Quinn and Charles together. It just can't be. The fans will not put up with that. But I just don't really see where they're going with this. And like I said, I'm kind of over this love triangle. It has gone on for too long. 
Right. So we talked about last week where Quinn compares herself to the Baroness, right? And we talked about that a lot. So I'm not going to really go into it, but I'm just going to bring it up again, just saying that I don't get any signs from this episode that Charles is in love with Liza, whereas in The Sound of Music, where she's making this comparison, Captain Von Trapp was in love with Maria and the Baroness bows out, right? She sees the writing on the wall. And she bows out. I do not see Quinn doing this at all. That's why I just like her likening herself to the Baroness. It's just like, "Mm, I don't know. That doesn't really, that doesn't really equate to what's going on here. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Although I thought it was interesting. He sort of, you know, he sent the text message to Quinn saying, I'm meeting with these authors. And then sort of felt like he hesitated before adding and Liza's coming as well. Or Liza will be there as well. So he... Yeah, it's not clear if he's still in love with Liza, but he definitely feels hesitant about mentioning her too quick. You know, it would take a fool to not see what's been going on with them for the last, you know, several episodes. So he is hesitant. But I agree, this love triangle has gone on long enough. Like, Quinn's moment has to come soon. (laughs) Whatever whatever it's going to be to, like, flick her out of the way. But I feel that she's not going to go down without a fight because I don't think she's ever backed down from anything a day in her life. I think we need to sort of move on to like Liza and Charles because there was a lot between them in this episode. And once again, we sort of see their differing views about things. Liza has brought this famous couple that write separately and are now going to write a book together. And obviously it's straight down Charles's wheel path of well-known authors, getting them out, not having, you know, getting able to market them because of name recognition recognizability sorry i've said that really weird <laughs> but anyway you know these these authors are, are exactly what he's looking for you know people know them they'll be easy to market there will be obviously people that want to buy their book just because of their name but then they tell them later that they don't want to write under their real names and want to use a pen name and he was just like oh well we're not interested now it just seems to me, and I, and I also like Liza's reaction. Like, she was just like, why are you so stubborn? Why would you do that? Like, she can see it's a good book, whatever, whatever name they use, it would be able to sell it. But, you know, he just seems so single-tracked and so single-minded about everything at the moment. He's not seeing any other points of view. That's exactly right. And even when he's talking to Kelsey and Liza about Incubator earlier in the episode... It's the same rigidity that he's been applying, saying, well, you know, he's following the company line of, you know, we need well-established authors with the name recognition, blah, blah, blah. Whereas in previous seasons, he was the complete opposite, right? So he was allowing millennial, the edgy, the off the beaten track writers to be courted and marketed. And he threw a ton of money at millennial and it ended up eating up empirical, right? It's, it swallowed that company whole and became the company until it got changed back, right? It was doing this, this, this hokey pokey. And he embraced that wholeheartedly back then, but now like his paradigm has shifted and now he's, he's just this one rigid track. He just can't deviate from it. It's really frustrating. And I was not happy to see that we got the answer to the question we asked the last episode. Like, what's what's going to be the reaction when Incubator starts making waves? And he was just like, mm, let's shut it down. It's been really frustrating because it's all how he sees the world right now. 
I feel, and I might be wrong, you can challenge me on it, I feel like it's all in a way to get back at Liza. Yeah, it feels like any idea she has, if it's not something that he fully agrees with, he's just completely anti the idea. He won't even consider it. It's just an automatic no. But even to a degree, like, I don't feel it would be any different if Kelsey also went to him about it because she was with him at one point with it as well. And to be fair, Liza was there as well. So maybe if it was just Kelsey, it might have been a different story. But it just feels like anything that Liza's involved in, he's not interested unless it's something that is along his track of easy to sell recognizable names like he kind of almost took over with these authors this time i mean yes he asked liza if he could come along but how can she say no you know he's the part owner of the company this angered me so badly because i'm like you're trying to poach her book she brought them in and then he's stepping in you know who's going to edit the book i will and it's the two of them answering at the same time it's just like like you said liza's gonna have to defer to him but she doesn't she doesn't back down in fact, she throws, throws it in his face that they edited, she edited his ex-wife's book, right? So, yeah. but also doing it in a way that Jonah and Susan don't really pick up on the animosity. She's able to deflect it in a very professional kind of way. But you and I and everybody else listening knows where she's coming from. And she's like, I, I can see her, her spine growing this episode. Right. And what we end up with at the end of the episode is I, I feel like the seeds of it were, were set in this meeting with Jonah and Susan. So I liked that for Liza. I do feel that Charles is starting to see maybe more of the real Liza. I, I think we mentioned before, she never felt she was behaving like herself around Charles. Whereas with Josh, you know, a lot of people have said she was really her authentic self when she was with Josh, that she never felt she had to hold back or anything. And I feel like maybe like when she's in front of authors and things, she holds back at that point. But after they got outside, she really ripped into him and told him what she really thought. And I feel like these are the first times that we've really seen her do that to Charles because I think she felt overwhelmed by him before. And now she's just pissed at him and she's like, I don't care anymore. I'm going to tell you how I feel. And I'm kind of glad of that because I think he's seeing the real her you know, he even mentioned in this episode, she was talking about how she used to write lots of um, quotes and things down, had notebooks of them, and goes, oh, I'm really learning more about you. And I feel like previously, they didn't really know much about each other. Like, they knew they liked each other, but they didn't really, you know, get to know each other. Yeah, and I, I agree with, with that feeling, that because Liza didn't open up to him the way that she did to Josh, and that's always been their downfall. It's just, they like, the chemistry was there, but it didn't have the conversations that, like, Liza and Josh had had. That was always missing. There was a lot of extraneous activities with, with Liza and Charles. You know, he has his daughters. Caitlin always kind of factored in with more with Charles. There's that too. And they do work so well with each other. They really did. And I liked how the parallel was to Susan and Jonah. The, you know, they have a good relationship and the work is seamless, right? So, and I felt that way with, with Liza and Charles. Like, they do have a seamless way about working with them when they're by themselves and there's no irritants setting them off. Yeah, I agree. They do seem to work well together. And I think they even mentioned that in this episode that, that they worked well together. But just because they work well together doesn't necessarily mean they need to be in a relationship with each other. Just because they work well together doesn't mean they work well together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Anyway, I'm kind of had enough of Charles and Liza and Quinn at the moment, but can we get on to Kelsey and Rob? Because there were only short, like, short amounts of the episode were about them, but I really think they just got, like, a cute interaction between each other, and I kind of like it, and I'm, I'm kind of wanting them to be together. I do like them together, but I think that Kelsey has a type. I think she goes for aggressive guys. Think back to Thad. May he rest in peace. Zane. Zane is a very aggressive, more smug. Thad is kind of smug. And Rob. So Rob, I'm going to lump in the aggressive category because he's a real estate mogul in New York. So you have to be aggressive and you have to be... I'm not going to say he's cutthroat because I haven't seen that from him, but he definitely crawled into bed with that slimy guy from that reality show and didn't really care what was going on in the reality show. So he's more business aggressive and he's less smug. So I definitely like him better. And then I like when he said that, you know, him and Claire, it was amicable. They just weren't a good match. Right. So he was being honest. He was being upfront. So I like him for her. I do. I agree. Like, I think he is maybe aggressive professionally and he definitely seems to have ambitions professionally, but it seems in his personal life, he's not as aggressive, you know, whereas Thad was very much all about himself and he really only seemed to want to propose to Kelsey more because his boss was impressed by Kelsey and that, you know, that was rubbing off on him in a positive way rather than it seemed he actually wanted to be with Kelsey. I think he liked Kelsey and she was easy to be around because she just completely subsumed herself into that relationship. And, you know, Liza used to hate how she would behave around him and stuff. But, yeah, she seems to like that aggressive, professionally ambitious person. And, again, with Zane, it was such a competitive relationship between the two of them and even like the author she dated well a couple of authors that she had affairs with but you know there was that yeah there was that one that um i think he was a writer at a magazine to begin with and then he gave her the manuscript and it felt like in the other relationships they always wanted something from her professionally as well as personally rather than just her for herself but with rob it seems like he just likes her for her He's not getting anything out of this in a professional way. He, you know, in a way kind of hurt himself professionally by getting her out of that TV show and things like that. He did that for her. So I like this. I I think he is going to be good for her. And as Claire said, you know, she also said they broke up just because of incompatibilities, you know, but he was a nice guy and, you know, a good guy and everything. So... I kind of like this, but then I'm also a bit split. I think there is definitely going to be an issue with Claire down the line. Yeah, I feel that the time has passed. Like, if she didn't, if Kelsey didn't say something this episode to Claire, like the bro code has been breached. She's missed her opportunity to say something to Claire where it's like, hey, by the way, just wanted you to know, kind of seeing Rob. Just wanted to make sure that you were aware of it. But I mean, like, I'm saying that so casually, you know, even like, I'm like, I don't even believe your lies, Sheila. <laughs> because that's like a hard conversation to have. But I do feel that the, 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 the code has been breached and there will definitely be some fireworks as a result. Like, like yeah, Lauren, I, I yeah, like Lauren likening this to Chernobyl, I feel like the meltdown is coming. I did like Lauren's sort of analogy there. Uh, it was just <laughs> definitely funny. I mean, I love Chernobyl. Would never have thought to use that to compare it to a relationship, but yeah, I still think of Chernobyl funny. as the microwave. <laughs> 
Oh yes, the iHouse. I forgot yes. about that. I never like to use that one. No. This, uh, just to explain to people that did not live at iHouse, uh, this was a microwave that like you put in for five seconds and it would burn your mouth. <laughs> Right, so yeah. there was a couple of microwaves for us to like heat up our food in the in the kitchen, in the dining room, and there was always just one. It was just known as Chernobyl, and it would melt styrofoam. So yeah, it was just you stayed away from it. So it was definitely we're, we're, dangerous. Yeah, so we're definitely familiar with Chernobyl, but yeah, I just like Lauren. Anytime Lauren gives a pictorial description of something it's very evocative of you know of what the, the thing is and it's it's very dramatic so i i can relate to something being <laughs> compared to chernobyl so feel like it's good foreshadowing <laughs> well that's the thing i think she can see where this is going like you know if rob hadn't previously dated claire there would be no issue but then they probably maybe also wouldn't have gone down this path either because you know did she only stop because she recognised him outside? Maybe they would have just walk past each other if, if it hadn't been for Claire. I do think this is going to lead to some sort of meltdown with Claire. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how that happens, but I am hoping that Kelsey and Rob find a way to stay together because I just think they will be good together. But I don't know. It is a bit awkward, I think, with the Claire situation. I think Laura maybe didn't need to say, you know, you can't see Rob anymore, but maybe needed to say you need to maybe have the discussion with Claire before it goes any further. Well, I think Lauren's not wrong. I feel like Rob is not quite tainted goods, but it's going to be really a problem because Claire is in their life. So it's just easier to, like, cut your ties and run. You know, last episode I was telling you about my own sticky situations that, you know, my dating situations. Thank God I got out of that nonsense. But also, like, Claire looked so forlorn. Like, when Josh found the foam finger, she was like, oh, that reminds me of Rob. And she was, like, so, like, a, like a lumpy mess about it. Cynical Sheila comes out in some of these podcasts, and then I get, I've gotten branded that because I sometimes come out, I'm just like... But I also feel like Claire deserves a little bit of her own medicine. She's been horrid. Everyone's like, oh, she's a, she's a new mom. We need to, you know, tread. No, 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 no. She has lied, manipulated, and sprung a pregnancy on Josh. So back when the wedding was happening back in Ireland, Liza was there to support and there to help. And Claire was like, but Josh lied for you. So you need to do for us what he did for you. So she did that. She kept the pregnancy hidden from him. So I think Claire deserves a bit of her own medicine. I know that's not nice to say, but however. That's where I'm at. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, you've always been pretty clear that you never like Claire. I maybe haven't been. As She's a rung above Quinn. Maybe two rungs. Oh, I wouldn't have been that far. <laughs> but um, it, I think it did show that maybe she isn't as over Rob as she made out to be at that brunch and that there were maybe real feelings involved and real upset that she probably didn't share with Lauren and Kelsey when they took her out for brunch. So this is why I'm a bit like, I think there will be a point where she discovers the relationship and I don't think it's going to be a good response. It maybe wouldn't be so awkward if Kelsey didn't live with Josh and, you know, Gemma was over there and all the time, same time, if, if Kelsey maybe had her own place like she was looking for and stuff then it probably wouldn't be such a big fallout. But I think with them all living together, that's sort of where it's going to be the problem. Be become the Chernobyl, where the, the blast will happen. 
So what do you think about Kelsey's plan to monetize the book? I kind of like it, although I'd be so pissed off if I read all of the book except for the last chapter. And yeah, I probably would pay to read it because they kind of would have sucked you in by that point. But I kind of like the idea that she was backing herself. You know, it is always risky using her money, but she's still in her 20s. She's, what, 28, I think, now in the show, even though it's been running for, like, seven years. And um, she was <laughs> But the timeline's very short. <laughs> but yet Caitlin's graduating college. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, she's, she's still in her 20s. Uh, she doesn't have, you know, dependents. She's not married. She doesn't have kids. This is the time to back yourself. If you've got the money to do it, then why not? I mean, this could be very successful for her, for her in the long term. I think go for it. It's, yeah, okay, I mean, you could always go down the traditional route of buying a house and working a boring job and always reporting to someone else but we know she's more ambitious than that she wanted to be her own publisher that's why she approached Quinn previously maybe that is leading her back down that path again because she knows she can be successful she has proved that with millennial with the work she does when she was the publisher even though she got really hit quite hard last season with that she still was reasonably successful And I think, why not back yourself? You've got a proven record. Go for it. And this incubator does seem to be providing some good people coming out. It makes me nervous that she's using her down payment. I mean, I agree with everything that you said, but the only wrinkle in this right now for me is how flaky Charles is being and his now exposed stubbornness that is out there and he's been called out on it and it's something that can't be taken back and he's the type of person who in prior seasons would be very reflective of of being accused of something so i'm i'm interested to see where he takes this knowledge that liza shared with him about his own personality but i don't feel that this is a slam dunk for her like i said earlier like he used to be so edgy when it came to millennial and allowing them the latitude to really explore and find these authors and and you know allow them to monetize their product but this is like the different regime and i just don't feel that he's trusting of their judgment anymore and i feel like it comes back down to liza like I don't think he would screw Kelsey, but I feel that anything with Liza... Like, I don't think he'll ever find out that Kelsey did this because he'll have just said, didn't I tell you to get back to your jobs kind of a thing. Like, I feel it would get shut down before the conversation even happens. So I'm a little nervous. I'm excited that she's this believing in their product and their, their endeavor, but I'm just... I'm like... <laughs> the old person and he's like oh girl keep your money you work so hard for it this isn't a slam dunk yeah that's true i mean it's not going to be a slam dunk but i kind of hope that if charles realizes they've done this on their own and you know this is her money and stuff that he will support kelsey because he's always been a big supporter of kelsey you know that's something you can always say about charles is he's always been there and sort of helped to progress in her career he gave her the opportunity she wanted and that was one of the reasons she decided to stay with empirical or come back to it although i have to say she is meant to be a financial stakeholder of this company now and yet she seems to have no say in the direction of the company that is a really good reminder. He gave her stock options and equity yeah. in the company, right? So she should have board level say. 
That's a really good point. I forgot all about yeah. that. Because they don't talk about it at all. Like, I think early in the season she was with the board maybe in the first episode or something. I think so, yeah. Yeah, it seems to have never been spoken about again that, you know, she's actually now a part owner, but doesn't seem to be treated that way. Right, because she went to Chicago with them and, you know, she she was part of all of that. I just hope that this doesn't blow up in the wrong way Mm. for them. I want want them to succeed so bad. I'm getting really mean now because, like, I want Charles to have egg on his face. I want him to be proven wrong about Dylan Park. I want him to be proven wrong about Incubator because I feel like it's too much of Quinn in his ear coloring his view and unconsciously, like, poisoning him against Liza. I think so, too. I kind of want to see Charles get his comeuppance. (laughs) Right? Like, it's... See? Now you're being cynical, too. Yeah, no, definitely. I got called that because uh, back uh, we were doing a podcast on the alienist and I was just, I was really like, she's faking this pregnancy. She just wants to trap this guy. And that's, that's fine. Like, I was like, you have to convince me otherwise. It was like, one of these, like, you know, just cross my arms. Like, that's where I'm at. And yeah. So then I got labeled cynical. She like, <laughs> but she comes Sometimes out a lot. you need that point of view, you know? Yeah. And then the character actually tweeted in our poll. Like, we put up a poll. Like, do you think that she's lying or think she's telling the truth? And she's like, she's lying. I <laughs> I love like, that. I'm vindicated. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I haven't yeah. watched that show. Maybe I'll have to check it out. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, it's two seasons based on a book. It's really good. Awesome. Uh, cool. Mystery, intellectual mystery. If you like Prodigal Son, <laughs> it's a really good show. I need to talk about you talk to you about that after, yep. after this, but that, that no, no, no. listen i'm hashtag the shite out of save prodigal son <laughs> so i really hope this goes well for kelsey i really want to see her succeed and as i've said there's been talk of a potential spin-off maybe this is where the incubator you know storyline oh, is going i like it i like you know, it maybe this is kelsey's Thing that will get her into the spin-off show, mm-hmm. fingers crossed. I really hope the spin-off does happen because I like Kelsey's character and it'd be good to see her move on and, and how she progresses further on. So I'm still hopeful for the spin-off to happen even though she's you know, been casting How I Met Your Father. We'll see. But um, we haven't spoken about Maggie yet. I know we have kind of missed Josh, but I mean, there wasn't really much Josh in this episode. He was really only there for them to find Rob's finger from the hockey game. <laughs> Who's um, number one? <laughs> as we said before, he's just like a background character at this point, which I'm finding super, super annoying. But He's like one step above Diana, who appeared in one episode for 30 seconds. It's ridiculous. I, I don't feel like I'm the only person that has been super frustrated by this. No, because I agree. He was, he was one of the main characters in every other season, and now he's just been relegated. To, like, I'm coming in the door kind of a thing. Hey, yeah. I'm here. Yeah. He's had, like, a bit of a storyline, and then he's just been in the background since then. He's had he's about been... 20 lines this whole season. Yeah. Maybe 20 lines. He's been mixing drinks at the incubator. He's been... He's just there in the background. He's still there, right. but, but eye he's candy. not doing anything. Yeah, I mean, he's good eye candy, but... I don't oh, he is. Not, not complaining, but not where the Josh of prior seasons was at. Yeah. So we didn't see much of Maggie in this episode, but we did see her a little bit. You know, we saw her a bit at the end and she seems to have um, taken her hits and is putting it back into her, her art, which I'm loving that she's not letting this keep her down. 
So she's going to be having a show apparently in a dive bar where everyone goes to piss and vomit. (laughs) Sounds like a really great place. I'm sure it's fantastic. Uh, so obviously she's like at the lowest of a low. I feel like even when she started as an artist, she probably wasn't this low on the totem pole. But I like the fact that she is trying to put this experience into her art and she's not letting they stop her. She's still going to get her art out there. I really, really, really hope this is her coming back and I can't wait to see it. But I think, you know, what she said at the end of the episode, can we maybe make that out in meditation with Maggie this week? I think so. I think so. So we'll play the clip here and then we'll talk about it afterwards. All right, let's play the clip. Hey, I don't have a title for it yet, but, you know, it's all about the perception of truth. What you see when you look at another person, is it who they really are? Or, or is it who they were at that moment in time? <laughs> yeah. Something like that. But those tweets were never what they said I was. I love what she says here, Emma. She's saying, you know, essentially what we talked about a lot the last episode. It's your truth doesn't make you your own person by just one moment in time. It's an evolution. And that's what we talked about so much. (laughs) We were both on our soapboxes. The fact that she says those tweets were never about who I said I was. Like, I need to say who I am. And the fact that she's regrouping and she's clawing her way back, I just like, yeah. So, like, Maggie will not be defeated. She will not be someone who's kept down. And I just love that this... This is how the episode ended, too. So it was so powerful. And then she's comforting Liza because Liza's having her own problem with perception of truth and, and where she's at in this in this situation. So what was your take on what she said? I agree. I love what she said, you know, the way I took it as well, the truth is not always black and white. There's not just one side to it. There's like multiple viewpoints and, and often particularly like on the Twitter sphere and stuff, you're seeing just one side of things. You're not seeing the full rounded picture. Like a person is more than just one side where a 3D object, you know, you've got to see everything around it, what has been put into that person, the context that they've grown up in, that all melds to create the person and that's why everyone's so individual as well because we all have had so many different influences over our times even though you can be raised in the same family you get raised different times you have different people coming in your life and you can end up in completely different paths even though essentially you came from the same point right the core was the same but yeah, the influences but can, over time yeah, you know, all of that bleeds into you and creates the person that you are. And I think that kind of where she was going, you know, the truth is multifaceted. It's not just one thing or the other. And truth is not one moment in time. Yeah. I like that that was a point that got made because that just fed back into what you and I said the last episode about, you know, where people are and there has to be like this tolerance of evolution, of, of evolution of thought. So I, I like that this is where her art show is going and... I just need to see her come back and basically like knock this one out of the park. She needs to have a big win because she's been knocked down and she's been put in such an impossible situation because she was just trying to do the right thing for the situation that she was in. I mean, I'm still a little upset that she didn't just try to come clean, but she was doing what was right for her in the moment. So I like that she's coming back and we have three episodes. So I feel that she's got a chance to make a splash. 
And I'm hoping that the show in a dive bar becomes something that she can look back on as her re-evolution or her re-emergence. Yeah, kind of like the phoenix rising from the ashes again. That's just, that's exactly what I was trying to say. You get me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I'm I'm really hopeful for Maggie now. And uh, as I said, I'm just really glad she's not just gone into a depressive, looking her wound state. She's, you know, trying to... She was to there at the beginning of the episode. She was there. She was. But then she's, like, regrouped herself and went, I can use this. And I think that's what makes her an artist. She uses what's happened in her life and it influences her art. And, you know, she doesn't just let her bring her down. She's going to make it into something and that's what she is she creates things and she's still doing that and that's what i love about her so very very hopeful for maggie i think that brings us to the end of the episode we covered everybody one little quick thing i love that redmond said to kelsey and liza the hello dorothy hello rose complete little golden girls reference when you met them for lunch <laughs> because I of love- the mid-lit shit yes <laughs> exactly mid-lit literature yeah uh, yeah yeah i i love redmond i kind of almost so many other things happen on the show i kind of almost forgot they met up with him but yeah yeah, yeah. i just yeah it was just a little quick little lunch thing but um i also had just a bad feeling that like you know him getting a little bit burned by them is going to come back like somehow charles is going to find out about it and it's just gonna make more waves for them that they don't need and i'm like kelsey's down payments at stake people stay out of her business <laughs> But he was also the one that sort of uh, pushed her down that path because she was suddenly like, oh, my God, we don't have Dylan. She could go to a Redmond and we lose her. And, you know, Completely. She's already, had, she's already had that happen before with, you know, we talked about the ex-boyfriend that was the author. You know, she promoted him before they'd actually signed him and ultimately it cost her in the end. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and caused think, a rift between her and Zane. Yeah, yeah so I, I definitely think um, she's learnt from that previous experience. Very interesting. So we shall see. So three more episodes to go. Quinn's becoming a big thorn in everyone's side still. And Kelsey's down payment is at stake. And this love triangle. And where's Josh? Got a lot. Of, I got a lot of things that need to get answered. I want something to happen with Josh. Like, just have him be present more in an episode <laughs> would be really great not just a background character i think i would like more about incubator which definitely seems to be going down that path because i'm definitely liking that storyline and i want to see much 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 less of queen agree all right so that brings us to the end of another heller good the younger podcast episode we want to thank you so much for listening if you could head on over to apple Podcasts or wherever you got this podcast from to rate review and subscribe it helps others find the podcast to get as much enjoyment out of it that you do and this way anytime we drop a new episode you'll get a notification in your podcast feed and if you could follow pod clubhouse on all the things on social media at pod clubhouse on twitter instagram and facebook that would be fantastic we thank you so much for listening and we'll see you back again next week thanks so much bye thanks guys thank you for listening this has been an original pod clubhouse production Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. 
Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. 